The main thing that Jesus Christ is trying to tell us is that if you are going to live the more life, if you are going to be more, especially in the area of giving more, you have to be detached or you have to be unattached from the things that you have. Jesus said the Holy Ghost will be your guide. He is not going to tell you about a place that has never been. He is going to give you information that is accurate and that is relevant to the situation why he has been there. Giving and serving cannot be done from a distance. There has to be proximity. There has to be closeness. There has to be contact. What does the cup represent? The cup represents the things that are forced on us in life aspects of life that makes it difficult to trust God. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have any cup? Do you have a cup? Are we taking, partaking of any cup? Giving up something that is valuable with the hope and sometimes the assurance that you are going to get something much more valuable. for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Kingdom Conversation. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Well, I have the awesome opportunity to introduce our moderator for today. Gif Ogunwali is an alumni of Georgia State University. She graduated with a degree in public relations and a minor in English. She kicked off her career in a marketing role, which has helped her future drive her passion for things, all things branding, public relations, public speaking, and campaigns. She's always had a passion to own her own platform where she can encourage conversations with individuals from various scopes of life, which she's launched a wonderful podcast called Breathe Through. Breathe Through stands for navigating each season of life while learning to intentionally pause and breathe while figuring out this journey and experience called life. You can hear her podcast on all podcast streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. Walk fan, please put your hands together for our moderator, Gift Ogunwale. Hey, good morning, Walk Fan. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Wonderful. Well, I want to welcome you to Kingdom Conversation. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm excited. Um, today is a special Sunday set aside to answer your questions. Um, I know when the service starts every Sunday, it's kind of odd to just interrupt service and come up here and ask a question. And I know I have 
thoughts that come into my heart all the time. Like, I wish I could just ask this and um, get my questions answered. But today, we've set time aside and we want to do that. Um, we want to get those questions that um, I know one thing when you go out into the real world It's kind of hard to merge what you hear every Sunday with um, real-life situations, especially at work um, So we want to speak to those questions So please I urge you to take the time write your questions down come up to the mic when the floor is open and get those questions answered in a few minutes, I'll introduce um, our lovely leaders in the house. But before I do that, Kingdom Conversation is going to be different today. Um, we're going to conduct service. We have 50 minutes. Um, as much as that's a lot of time, it, can't, it goes by this quick. But we want to get your questions in. We also want to get the online audience questions answered. And I just want to take time out to give a special shout out to everybody that sent in a question over the week, your questions were well received, and we can be sure we'll get back to you today. So, but if you still have a question, please go on the website and turn in those questions. And we have a group of people right now currently monitoring the website to make sure that we receive those. So, like I said, 50 minutes. In that case, when I do open up the floor, you do have a minute or two, please. I cannot, I can't plead with you enough. I know we have so many questions. I know we have longer comments. And as time permits, we'll open up the floor for the really long comments. But please, we want to keep our questions to a minute or two. So in that case, who's ready? Okay, all right. So I am going to welcome my first guest today. It's no one other than the set man of the house, um, our pastor, our mentor, our leader, our father in the house, Pastor Bank Akimola. Can you join me as we welcome him on stage? Hey. All right, so we have another lovely leader in the house who's really been the face of um, um, the series we're gonna be talking about today, which is Be More. Um, he's done a phenomenal job as well as Pastor Bank to carry on the series. We have Pastor Larry Omanaye. Can you join me as we welcome him? How are you both doing today? Good. Good? Good, Good okay. yes. <laughs> well, I want to take time out to really say thank you for the honor and privilege to moderate today's Kingdom Conversation. I'm honored, and I do not take it for granted, so thank you for that. Amen. Um, so, I know some of us have missed um, a few Sundays, um, so we have a refresher video. We want to be able to highlight some key points that um, both leaders um, touched on. So, can we... I'm going to direct your eyes to the screen in a couple minutes and we'll play the refresher Number one. Video. Number one. God wants us to live more. He wants you to live more. Number two. God wants us to love more. Number three. God wants us to give more. And number four. God wants us to serve more. In other words, when Jesus Christ was introducing his kingdom, everything that was in his mind was about us living more, loving more, giving more, and serving more. Jesus said the Holy Ghost will be your guide. 
He is not going to tell you about a place that has never been. He is going to give you information that is accurate and that is relevant to the situation why he has been there. Not only has he been there, he made the place. The reason those things fail was not because of lack of willpower. The reason is the will actually has no power. What does the cup represent? The cup represents the things that are forced on us in life, aspects of life that makes it difficult to trust God. Do you, do, you, do you have any cup? Do you have a cup? Are we taking, partaking of any cup? Giving up something that is valuable with the hope and sometimes the assurance that you are going to get something much more valuable. Amen. That's right. Did that make sense? Yes. And I want to begin to define some of the things that we are going to give up. Because if you are going to give up something or the value of your life, there are certain things that are, uh, are the value of your life that you will have to give up to be able to live more. All right? That you're able to live more. All right? So, Matthew 5. Can you give me Matthew 5? Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. And we said that that love is unconditional and we defined it as unconditional patience and kindness because Paul told us in the book of 1 Corinthians 13 he said love is gentle love is kind or love is patient love is kind all right uh, we're still on the series be more and where we've done be more one be more two and today we'll be doing be more three all right <laughs> so uh, uh, it's it's, um, the, the whole thing was taken from uh, the book of Matthew 5, how uh, Jesus just wants us uh, to go over and beyond what the recommendations of the law are, right? Because we know from what Jesus said and how he has told us or what he taught in uh, this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus in himself uh, got to discover or he saw that uh, the law is limited, all right? The law is limited, the law uh, has limitations, and one of the great limitations of the law is that the law just demands or requires the barest minimum. The law does not require beyond the barest minimum. Uh, uh, what I call this law by proxy, a lot of times is, you know, it's not just spiritual laws only. There are even things, you know, many of us, we are bound by the laws of our past. Our past have become laws to us. And sometimes for some of us, our habits have become laws to us. Nobody legislated them, but because we have lived them, it has been a part of our life. It has been a part of our system. They have become comfort uh, 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 therapies for us. And even though if they don't... I hope that was able to at least capture a little bit of what we touched on um, this past few Sundays. So because of time, we're just going to jump right in. Pastor Larry, be more. Oh, wow. um, you kicked off the message. Um, you kicked off the series. So can you, for somebody that's really missed uh, a Sunday, can you expand on the mores? Uh, my check? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, be more was just taken from uh, the Sermon on the Mount and what the um, primary purpose of the Sermon on the Mount was. And it was that 
God wants us to live beyond the ordinary. He wants us to live the extraordinary life. And the way it was, uh, the way it was stated or the way Jesus stated it was to use what was applicable then or what was available, what was open to them then, what they understood, and drove it a notch up. And so to show you the difference or the demarcation between the easy life before or the normal, regular, expected life and, you know, what was expected in the kingdom because the kingdom uh, was new. So um, he, he taught us all of that. And if you read uh, the whole of that scripture, in uh, chapter 5, Matthew, uh, we just summarized everything that he said. It was just a summary to bring out the main point of what he was saying. That everything Jesus was saying in Matthew 5, if we can just summarize it or con uh, condense them to simple things that we can learn lessons from and use that are applicable to our lives, we just boil them down to four, which is, you know, live more, uh, love more, give more, and serve more. And that's, you know, entails, I mean, that covers the whole thing. Okay. So, Pastor Bank, in your message on October 3rd, um, you talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and Pastor Larry just touched a little bit on it. Um, and you spoke about Jesus really wanting that message for us right now. Why did you think he was, it was relevant for us right now? Can you speak to that? Sure, absolutely. <clears throat> so, that message for me, the, 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 the whole series for me, uh, was one of what I would consider a signature message. And I say that because, is my mic on? Yes. Okay. And as, for some reason, I'm not, I'm not hearing myself. You're hearing? Okay, good. That's, that's what's important. <laughs> for some reason, when many of us become born again, it's easy for us to see the born again experience as a destination rather than as a journey of growing through life. Uh, there's a scripture that comes to mind in Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11. Uh, if, you, if you can just put it on the screen for me very quickly, uh, if you would not mess anybody up. Or I can read it. Jeremiah 48, uh, verse 11. Okay, I'm reading from the NIV. Look at what it says. Moab has been at rest from youth like wine left on its dregs, mm. not poured from one jar to another. She has not gone into exile. Now, this is the last sentence is what really gets me. She tastes as she did, past tense, mm. and her aroma, present tense, is unchanged. Mm. In other words, many of us as believers have remained in status quo uh, situation where we have not changed. The gospel of Jesus Christ has not really fully impacted us, impacted us enough to want to change. So the status quo is what many of us are living. So for, when I heard Pastor Larry bring that message, the challenge of living more, I have to ask myself, Bank, are you living more? Or are you status quo believer? Loving more. Bank, are you loving more or are you, have you remained unchanged as you were before you were born again? Are you giving more? Are you so it's a challenge. And the message of Jesus that I read, and I'm sure you're familiar with in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when he first spoke, 
the, the, the what I call the prologue to this entire series of someone of the man. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change, change, change. Don't remain status quo because what Jesus came to introduce is not for me and you to continue to live as we lived. But at the kingdom of heaven, it's not available, it's accessible. You can now live as God did. Why? Because Jesus has come to make that possible. So that's where I came from. I see this message as a message to challenge us. As I heard Kunle Akimala said earlier in the pre-service, introspection, self-assessment. Where am I now versus where I was a year ago or a week ago? The life of Jesus in us should constantly challenge us to grow daily. Amen? Amen. Okay, so um, I have another clip to play because Pastor Larry touched on um, in his message, September 12, he touched on um, the kingdom of God. And I think it's good for us to just quickly play the clip, clip one. And what, I'm what I'm trying to tell you this morning, what I'm trying to bring to your attention this morning is that more it's not about money. Although I can tell you I can make, I can, I can do with a lot of more money that I have now. More is not about influence alone. If as a church we have more influence, I mean we'll do better here, right? We'll be able to impact the society more than we are doing. But when Jesus said this, he was telling us that everything that pertains to the kingdom of God, in the very intrinsic nature of the kingdom of God, more is really important. For that clip is, I know further down you even spoke about giving yourself and not just money when we talk about giving. So can you expand on that okay. for us? Okay, thank you. <laughs> She's really tough on me now, so. <laughs> All right, yeah, um, just like Pastor Banks, I'll just piggyback from what, what he said, that, you know, all these things are about, the kingdom of God is about a progression, it's a progression, there's, there's not supposed to be a time of stagnation where you stop somewhere or you have attained. Paul said in himself, he said that not that I have attained, all right? Um, but he still pushes on, he's still pressing on. In other words, there's always room for us to grow. There's always room for increase in the kingdom of God. If you get to a point as a Christian where you feel you have uh, uh, eclipsed your growth and development, then you have started declining. Yeah. Amen. All right? right? So nobody needs to tell you that. So there's always room for growth. All right? So what we are saying or what, you know, I understood from what Jesus was talking about concerning the kingdom is that the kingdom is designed in such a way that you can never exhaust God. Because everything about the kingdom is God, right? His knowledge, his understanding, um, his all of that, you can never exhaust it. And it starts from you as a person giving up of yourself. You cannot give, if you have not, if you have not given up of yourself, if you are not a living sacrifice, so to say, is it good for your money to be sacrificed? Is it good for you to sacrifice your money? Is it good for you to sacrifice your time? Is it good for you to sacrifice whatever it is? So that's why we started from you 
being that sacrificial offering, you say, I, 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 you know, I, Paul in Romans 12 said uh, that you present yourself a living sacrifice. The difference between us, I think it was Pastor Banga said it that I heard, is that uh, the problem with some of us as Christians is that we're, the, we're on the altar, but we're still moving, right? We're not dead on the altar. We're still, you know, uh, uh, lying on the So we still have those feelings. We still have all of those things, and it can easily be hurt. So we need to put ourselves on the altar and, you know, that sacrifice. So if you have not been totally and completely committed to the things of God, where you give of yourself, it is no more about you, it's about God, then it's difficult for you to be able to sacrifice all of these things or to, you know, commit to all of this. Okay. So if my motive is selfish, um, okay. when you speak to giving yourself, if I'm being, I'm being more, I'm giving more, I'm loving more, I'm serving more, and my motive is selfish, but I'm still doing that, um, well, how does that count in the eyes of God? And you can both take it. Okay, so I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> wow. In, in, in the kingdom of God, motivation is everything. Yes. It is, that is huge. Because the Bible talks about how it's not the external things that defile a man, but the things within a person. Uh, in First Samuel chapter 17, uh, God talked about how Man looks on the outward appearance, yeah. but God looks into the heart. So if I have the outward appearance of doing the right things, or move, giving more, living more, uh, and all of that stuff, but my motivation is not right, the world may applaud me, but God is not really impressed with that. Because it begins, the, the, entire, the entirety of the kingdom of God, has, it begins from the inside. Yeah. It is God that is at work in me. In me, meaning within me. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if that God is not within me doing that, then I'm really walking in the flesh. And anything fleshly brings death at the end of the day. Yeah. So, it's, it, and, what, and what that means is, if my motivation is not right, it will not edify, number one. Yeah. And number two, it will not promote the kingdom of God. Yeah. Men may applaud me. But ultimately, it does not produce the result that God intended when he said we should live more, love more, give more, and serve more. So always begin inward. Let God check you out in inward. Let the Holy Spirit help you inwardly. God, why am I doing this? And if my motivation is not right, God, ask God, God, you know what? This motivation is not right. Help me. Help me to align my motivation with what you want. And then take it from there. Pastor Larry, do you have anything to add before we jump into Okay, before we jump into that, yeah. you know, um, he, Pastor has said it all, but another thing I just want to add to that is that if your motivation is not right, uh, when you want to, because these things are spiritual things, and, you know, they're not just natural things, they're, you know, living more, giving, uh, loving more, uh, serving more, and giving more. They're all spiritual things. Before long, you are going to get burnt out, all right? Correct. You cannot sustain it for that long. And before you know it, you get burnt out, and, you know, you're you know, your secret become, becomes opened. So, Amen. That's very good. Okay, so at this time, we'll take two online questions um, quickly, and or three, if we have, we can do that. Okay. Okay, I have three on giving. The first one says, how do you approach giving more and serving more when you feel like you need to be poured into? Either of you can take it. Okay. How do you approach giving more and what? Serving more when you feel like you need to be poured into. Okay, so uh, personally I can jump on this later. <laughs> but, but seriously, seriously, so my, my, my point would be, do you have any at all? Mm -hmm. 
instead of asking to be poured more, what do you have right now? Give at the level of whatever you have now. You don't wait till you're overfilled to start giving or start serving. Use what you've got. God will never ask you to give what you don't have. Amen. He will always place something in your hand. Moses told God, I can't do it. I can't go to Egypt. I can't get Israel. God said, really? You can't? Really? Moses, what do you have in your hand? Oh, it's just a little stick. What? Insignificant stick? Little stick. God said, oh, you have a stick? Give that stick to me. Throw it on the ground and let me show you how I can add my super to your ordinary. Amen. And the stick became a snake. And Moses saw, whoa, I thought it was just a stick, but really, this is, this is a powerful instrument in the hand of God. So don't wait to get more. Give what you have, where you are, and watch God multiply. Amen. 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 Okay, Amen. let me ask the question this way. Okay. How do you approach giving more and serving more when you've been serving and giving and you're tired? You just want to, you need to be replenished, and but you're still giving. Okay, so, so that's a different question entirely. So, so that goes back to what Pastor Larry said. So for a person like that, I want to ask them, what was your motivation in serving and giving? Because as he said aptly, if I'm doing it in the flesh, I will burn out. I will burn out. But if I'm doing it with the correct motivation, and God helping me and empowering him by his grace, what does grace do? Grace enables. So if I'm not doing it by grace and I'm doing it by my effort, then of course I'm going to get burned. So to, to that person I say, go get some more grace. Amen. Open a tap of grace and drink some grace. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me just quickly add to that again also, and which is just simple. When we're talking of living more, loving more, giving more, and serving more, yeah. self has to go out. That's the first thing that must die. All right? If that dies, then, you know, you are able to give. Because, you see, God is not just going to, uh, he says, uh, God is not unfaithful to forget the labor of your love. He will always reward and recompense you for all that you do. So when it is all about me, if you are, if you are serving, if you are giving, if you are doing all that and it's all about me, it's, you, are going to, you are going to get burnt out, right? So it's take out self first and, you know, think of, you know, God, his kingdom and others and, you know, all this and so forth. You have one boy. How do you prioritize where to give more? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> how do you prioritize how to give more? Where? 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh, where how do you prioritize where, where to, to give, give more? more. Okay. Where do I give more? Really, that's work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Most of these things we are talking about presumes, number one, that the believer is abiding. Yeah. Mm. And then, of course, as an abiding believer, you are also connected to the Holy Spirit, who is the administrator of the grace of God, who is the one moving on my heart, your heart, and everybody's heart to know what to do, where to do. And so, so, yes, it presumes the ability to hear God. My sheep hear my voice, yeah. and the voice of a stranger. So you have to be able to hear God, hear the Holy Spirit, prompt you, to do certain things, and then you obey and you comply. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned to give more, you have to be unattached. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, the 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 biggest impediment that you know that there is to giving um, 
is the fact that you, uh, you don't see yourself or the things that you have define you, all right? So you're defined by your money, you're defined by the way you dress, you're defined by your look, you're defined by uh, your education, you're defined by all of that. So if we can find our definition within God that, look, without all these things, whether, whether these things are available or they are not available, I'm still complete, I'm whole, I'm okay with God, all right? So what I'm saying is this, is that we, we attach ourselves to things. Attachment is linked to how we identify ourselves with the things of God. And until we separate ourselves and identify ourselves correctly, or the way God has seen us, that we are complete, total, and needing nothing to be whole with him. All right? Until that happens, we are still attached. And on, if that does not happen, then it, it diff, it's difficult for us to be able to, you know, uh, be able to give more without being attacked. I don't know if I answered that question. So we weren't taking in-house question yet, but if we, we can quickly take it. Um, uh, it's not a question. Okay. This is just a, a follow-up question okay. to the previous questions. How do I prioritize? So in as much as you and I have to depend on the Holy Spirit, practical example. And so, when you are going to give more, or you're going to love more, or you're going to serve more, how do you prioritize? It is very simple. Start from where you are, like Pastor said. But anything that you are going to give more of, and anything that you're going to serve more of, it starts from your household. That is your most immediate constituency. If you cannot give more as a husband to your wife and to your children, you cannot do it anywhere else. And God is so much not expecting you to do it anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> if you cannot serve more and serve your wife or your husband or your children or your parents, God is not so much looking for you to do it anywhere else because you have not graduated from the immediate constituency. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Right? <laughs> So rather than trying to camouflage <laughs> that I don't know where or how to prioritize, God has already given us the prioritization. That's good. Yeah. So you have to start again with what you have. If you cannot serve the member of your household, how do you expect God will trust you to serve the nation as a president or as an administrator in your local council or anywhere else? God says, when you are faithful on the little you are given, the more shall be committed into your hands. Amen. 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 Thank, you. Thank you for that. <laughs> So, um, I have another clip I want to play um, in Pastor Larry's preaching, September 12th. 
um, he talked about the traffic laws, and I really like that he brought that up because it helped put things in perspective. So can we play clip two? Living, living more, loving more, giving more, and serving more. Those are the things that push the kingdom. I will, I, I will explain as time goes on. But now, let's look at it. I want to tell you that when he said, if you have heard it said, it has been said this way. Who said it? What said it? He was referring to the law. And a lot of times I want to tell you that laws don't lend themselves to more. Laws lend themselves to the most minimal things in life. I'll give you an example. Your traffic laws, right? There are traffic laws here that we have to obey. Am I correct? Yes. I've gotten some tickets, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> traffic laws tells you when the light is red, stop. When it's green, move. It gives you some boundaries by which you should function. But there's a limitation to that. And what is the limitation? Because what is the limitation? The limitation is that these laws are just limited. They are minimal in nature. In other words, the traffic law tells you how to drive on the road. But it refuses to tell you to show compassion to somebody who has a need for compassion on the road. So, Pastor Bank, um... You wrote a book, <laughs> Shift Work, and you talked about workplace ministry. And in that book, um, I do want to quote Billy Graham. He said, I believe that one of the next great moves is going to be through the believers in the workplace. Now, there is a saying, give unto Caesar what he requires or what he asks for. Um, so if giving more, um, if we're supposed to be more, and my workplace um, is my calling, um, as Billy Graham said, and Caesar is requiring certain things of me when I go into my building, how do we merge the two? How, how really can we be more within this constraint? Oh, wow. Being more in a workplace is a tremendous opportunity to display who you are. To, to really put on display the Christ that's within you. Caesar, as personality said about the law, requires the minimum. Mm -hmm. This is what we expect of you when you come to John Blue Industries. But God says, this is the minimum. You as a child of God has the ability to meet that minimal criteria and exceed it. How do I do that? Number one, I'm the best at what I do. Okay. I just don't give Caesar the bare minimum of what they require. I exceed the expectation, thereby making people around me know, wait a minute, wow, this is awesome. You just breathe this out of the water. That gives you an opportunity to share why you did it, your motivation. So you are God on display all of the time while you are in your workplace. And so the, the, the thing about living more and loving more comes to full scope. Like he said about the traffic law. It does not, it does not give you room to give compassion. Yeah. So in your workplace, you have a workmate who is struggling with his or her assignment because they are stuck. Yeah. As a believer who has been endowed and equipped and has the ability of God working in you. Ah, 
John, can I help you with that? Do you need any help? Is there anything I can do to help you so you can come over the, so you can finish what you're trying to do? You, you show compassion. You show the excellency of who you are through your work in helping somebody else. At the end of the day, the entire corporation gets the uh, credit for that. So yeah, it's an opportunity for us to have Jesus on display 24-7 by being good at what we do, by showing compassion, compassion in how we do it, and by being loving to all the people and don't get involved in all of the nasty talk at work that demeans people. Rather, your goal is to edify all of the people around you. Because when you walk in there, Jesus just walked in. Pastor Larry, do you have anything to add to me? The reality is living more, you know, we, uh, the first place we do it, like Pastor Shino says, our family, our church, and then our, our places of work. You know, we, uh, we have tremendous opportunities all across the board to be able to display um, um, what's um, uh, living more, serving more, and all of that, loving more, and all of that is, is um, all about. Um, I know people who are like my wife, I know we've discussed there are some certain kind of uh, things that she does not expect from people at work, right? Uh, maybe, maybe lifestyle, maybe uh, their approach to things and all of that, that she does not expect. But you know, in our conversations and all of that, uh, you know, we come to the point where we say, look, uh, forget about all these things. Be of help to anybody who can be of help. And she has gotten to a place where at her place of work, even people who don't believe, tell her, pray for me. Exactly. Right. They tell, I mean, because of the way she has displayed and all of that, they tell her, you know, pray for me. And, um, you know, they call her, look, I have this thing going on. Can you pray for me? I have this going on. Can you pray for me? Because she goes over and above to help people out. And in that way, you know, the, 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 the light of Jesus Christ it's been spread out. Uh -huh. So, and they don't see her as judgmental, you know. Uh, they, don't, they don't see you as judgmental. Many of us are just very judgmental. Yeah. And, and those things are very limiting. They, they, they encase you, you know, that you cannot give more than you want to give, you know, than, than you should give. Many of us are so proud. Go yeah. ahead, sir. No, no, oh. the judgmental, people stay away from you. Yeah. They don't yeah. want to fool with you because they, they know you're going to judge them. Yeah. So the things they would normally be vulnerable about and bring to the table so you can help them with, they keep it. Yeah. And by keeping it, that's a kingdom opportunity lost. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in a few minutes, um, we're, we're, we're going to open up the floor. So this is your time to start stepping up to the mic. Um, I said, ask one more question. So please, I know we do need that bold person, so I urge you to step up. Um, so, and also, feel free to send in your online questions. Um, we're still monitoring that. Um, so maybe both of you can quickly speak to somebody that has encountered offense um, during being more. Um, I know, you know, you're saying, maybe I'm coming to work, I mean, coming to church every day, I'm the only one showing up. Um, you're saying to give, I'm giving, I'm, I'm showing love, and I just keep getting burned. Um, can you speak to that person right now? Just what do you have to tell them? <laughs> Okay. I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, first I'm going to take my cue from what Jesus said in Luke 9.62. It says, anyone having laid his hand to the plow, looking back is not fit for the kingdom. Amen. And so by that I'm saying to you, you've been burned, 
But we don't, because of being born, stop doing the righteous thing. Because if we, if we did, none of us would be married. I don't think you heard what I said. If you stop doing the righteous thing because you've been born, none of us will stay married. Because the home gives the perfect example of offenses. I offend my wife, my wife offends me, we offend our children. I mean, offenses just crisscrossing all over the place. But we stick to it because we recognize that offenses, Jesus said, must surely come. Amen. It's a given. Yeah. I'm going to irritate you, you're going to irritate me. It's going to happen. So the issue is, how do I respond? And that's the point. I don't react, but I respond. Reacting means teeth for tight. You did it, I'm going to show you. Responding means I'm going to accept Jesus' narrative about offense and live above that. Amen? Amen? So my encouragement to those who have been born, who have been offended is, don't allow offense to shut you down. Amen. Don't allow offense to shut you down. It's just a bait. It's a yeah. bait of the enemy. Don't bite it. Yeah. Discard it and keep on moving on. Yeah. Because in time, in due season, you reap if you do not offend. And I would, just, I would just quickly add to that, that, um, you know, offenses is just a part of, you know, it comes with the territory, all right? And we have to always factor that into, you know, what we do and how we relate. Either way, you know, in any place of, um, of our lives. And this is not encouraging people, oh, just keep offending people, you are the one that's offending, just keep offending people as much as you can. People will just, you know, uh, overlook that. That's not what we're saying. You know, we're encouraging everybody to get to that point where you are able to consider every other person. However, I want to uh, let you know that uh, offenses are just a way of the devil wanting to stop you, all right, from attaining the best that God wants you to attain. And if we can just look past uh, our offense, and then another thing again, quickly, before I, I'll, I'll give, I'll, 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 I'll step out now. Another thing is that I wanted to say about um, offense it's just that um, it offenses will come, but we have to look past ourselves. Because some of the reasons why we are offended is it's difficult for us to understand the intentions of some certain people. Because some things that are offending us are really not intentional. Mm. All right? It's just, you know, a, a question of people don't know what is going on or sometimes the way people do things. And so that's why sometimes I will say, try and understand the motive of the person before you actually do take offense sometimes because for most of the things that are going on that we call offense are, are really not things that people actually plan to do. I want you to believe more in the goodness of everybody. First, let them give you an opportunity for you to really, really nail it down that they were malicious about what they were doing before you go, because... And, and something I want to add to that, very quickly, uh, Gift. Even if what he said was true, where the intention is not good, where the intention was actually malicious, let me, let me deal with that. I want all of us to understand it's still part of the equation. Question, how will I know if I'm loving more? Amen. If there was no offense. How? How will I know? So what I'm saying is, listen, don't allow the offense to be a deterrent to your own growth. Understand what Jesus said. Again, Jesus' narrative, offenses surely, he says, must come. Wow. Because it's going to be, it's, God is going to use offense to, te 
to, 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 to help me assess me. Bank, oh, you're not really before, beyond where you were last year. If this is not offending you now, forget the person that, of, forget the offender. I'm talking about you, the offender. If this thing is still offending you now, a year later, bank, you have more work to do. Amen. Yes. When you see offense from that perspective, you are thanking God for offense. Amen. Because it helps you find yourself. So you can go back to that type of grace and drink some more grace. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. So we'll take online questions and then we'll open up the floor. So at this time, you can start um, stepping up to take a seat in front. Okay, I have three on love. The first one says, you mentioned the Bible saying, love my neighbor as I love myself. <laughs> it's a very basic thing. Hmm. How do I love my neighbor when they are very unlovable? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, we, we, we definitely have some people who, uh, who we call unlovable right but those unlovables are not Jesus' standard because everybody to jesus is redeemable there's something redeemable about everybody and jesus is about the redemption of people all right and so uh those are those are constructs those are just our human construct or our you know fleshly construct and that's why we think there's some people that are unlovable all right now um like I said in you know, the, the message, is that love your neighbor as yourself is limiting, so to say. And why is it limiting? Because it is conditioned on yourself, right? The day things don't, uh, the day I'm not feeling good, the day I'm not loving myself, then I, then I am automatically you know, given the pass to not love my neighbor. But we have to be unconditional in the way we look at people, in the way we look at things, and in the way we relate with people and all of that. And uh, sometimes, um, I will say this, that sometimes uh, the reason why we think some people are unlovable or the reason why we think people are, um, uh, why we cannot love people is because we're still in ourselves. You know, yourself is still in your head, right? You're still in your own head, right? And that's why you think some people are not lovable. Because if you, if you base everything, there are some things that, you, that we do, right? There are some things that we do. Uh, you dress well, you look nice, you are, you know, you are educated, you do everything right. To some people, it's still not good enough. And for them, it's, you know, you're still unlovable in that, in that particular perspective. So what I'm saying is that, you know, we have to get out of our head and know that if we look at things from the perspective of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, there's nobody that's unre unredeemable. Amen. And really nobody that's unlovable. Yes. Because when you look at ourselves, you look at yourself, what did it take God to get me? If I start with me, because as humans, we have this tendency to judge another person and say, ah, this man, look what he did. But when you do the exact same thing, you excuse it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was just having a bad day. But you don't say that about your neighbor, you just judge. So, so if we always just remember that the box starts with us, and we humble ourselves enough to say, you know what, what Joe is doing is so bad, and you remember that you are worse off until God helped you. It becomes an equator. It just equates everything. Yeah. And sometimes we, uh, we judge other people by their actions, but judge ourselves by our intentions, right? Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll take another one. Okay, these two sound alike, so I'll take them together. I have detached myself from toxic people. How hmm. do I love them? Hmm. And is loving a person from a distance wrong when they are toxic? Hmm. Yeah, the psychologist, uh, <laughs> Should I ask the question again? <laughs> ask the question again. <laughs> I have detached myself from toxic people. How 
How do I love them? Is loving a person from a distance wrong when they are toxic? Okay, let me, let, me, let me handle that distance first, right? And for me, a lot of times, you know, when we talk about, you know, I'm loving you from a distance and all that, it's an excuse for unforgiveness, right? You know, um, yeah, sometimes, yes, it's an excuse for unforgiveness. It's, an, uh, it's, it's, it's a cop-out sometimes because you cannot face, out, you cannot face off with uh, the uh, person that you are, you are trying to deal with, all right? Because when it comes to uh, loving people, like we have said, you know, um, living more, loving more, uh, giving more, and serving more. Those things cannot be done from a distance. They have to be done, you know, in close proximity, all right? And so many times when we say, oh, you know, uh, I love this person from a distance. I love this, um, I, I, you know, I love this person from afar. I will just love them from afar. Um, it's not, it's, it's, we're just at that point where we're not forgiving enough. All right? And let me tell you, in terms of relationship, I had somebody say this not too long ago. He said, when it comes to relationship, right, when it comes to our relationship, forgiveness also, just like the law is the barest minimum, forgiveness is the barest minimum. If you look at, so hear me properly, forgiveness is the barest minimum, reconciliation is the ultimate. All right. All right? Because um, when you forgive, it is just easy for you to say, okay, you know, I forgive him from a distance, I can say hi to him. Uh, I can say uh, I love him and things, but you're actually excusing yourself from exercising the love of Jesus Christ. You're exercising uh, the grace of God and all of that and things like that. So number one, what I'll say to that person first, uh, when you want to, and then we have to define toxicity of people again, because that time again, it's on that label that we have made to allow us from doing the actual work of loving people. So we label them as toxic, all right? Now, this is not to say that there are not people who are not toxic, yes, but the only people that I think the scripture, when you look at the life of Paul and all of that, the only people that he tells you, oh, uh, he says, you know, don't, you know, don't deal with these people, deal with them from afar and things like that, are not just people, and he's not just talking about people's behavior alone, but what he is talking about there is the only people I will say, you know, uh, you should be, concerned about, so to say, right, are the people who really affect and want to change the values of your life. If somebody is going to affect your values about how you love God, you know, your salvation and all those kind of, yes, those kind of things are, you know, those kind of things are okay. But do the work that you must do until you are able to win that person. Because at the end of the day, it is about winning people, it is about reconciliation, than just about, oh, okay. You know, I'm just loving them from afar. That's an excuse and a cop-out sometimes. Okay. So at this time, I don't know if we have any questions or comments. Please start to come up. You do? You have a question? Okay, yeah. So we'll take in-house questions if you have a question or comments. Yeah, while we're waiting for the question, let me just add a little bit. Come to the come mic. Yeah. Yes. The, the, again, the, the entire message on living more, giving more, loving more, and uh, serving more, just remember, Jesus is challenging me and you to change the way we think. So the issue of loving people from afar, where did that come from? Did that come from Jesus or from us? Us. Jesus never signed on to anything about loving anybody from afar. Ephesians 2, 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So from Jesus' perspective, it's not loving from afar. He wants to have an intimate relationship. That's his perspective. So 
so I may have a feeling of saying, ah, oh, this guy, man, this guy's hurt me or she's hurt me, I need to stay away. Yeah, that's, that's a natural feeling to have, but you must understand that's, a God, that's not a God feeling. You must be able to make that distinction, that that's not a God feeling. So God wants reconciliation, as he has said, and we need to focus on reconciliation and ask him to help us to, to, to get to that point. Yeah. Just a, um, a comment on the reconciliation. Yeah. Because it takes, it takes two people to reconcile. If I want to reconcile with you, and you don't want to reconcile with me, um, then that is a problem. The problem is not from me, but yeah. from the other person. Yeah. All right. Because it says, be at peace with everyone, as yeah. long as it depends on you. Yeah. So as long as it depends on me, I'm going to make the effort yeah. Yeah. You know, to reconcile with you. But if you don't want yeah. then there is nothing I can do about that. All right. Um, the, um, the more... Um, concept implies quantity, more quantity. And so my problem with the quantity is that you could give more, but was Christ really talking about quantity or the quality? The quality of our love, for instance. Um, the quality of our giving comes to the motivation for the giving. And so when we conclude that the Sermon on the Mount was about more, um, then it implies quantity. But I, I, I want to think, and you might, you might correct me, okay. uh, when he said, the law said this, but I say this. They said this, but I said this. Was it more about quantity or about quality? Okay. Okay, thank you for uh, that uh, question. Uh, it is both about quality Amen. and quantity. In other words, in other words, um, the quality of my love must be more. So you can use more for both quality and quantity. All right. So, um, uh, for instance, I um, I love uh, my wife. Right. But I have to search myself. Am I loving her enough? All right. What more can I do to up the game in terms of loving my wife? So in that case, you have talked about both quality and quantity. All right? Um, I'm in church. I, you know, I only talk to Pastor IBK because that's the only person I can relate with. Can I be able to challenge myself to be able to relate with more people Absolutely. and be able to, uh, to engage more with people? I come to church and, you know, I can, I only give, you know, I only give, uh, you know, I've made up my mind and, you know, in my Orthodox church where I come from, I only give $10, right? And... I come here and they are talking about, you know, giving and all of that kind of thing and, and stuff like that. Can I challenge myself to give more yes. and to make it quality yeah. of, you know, what I'm doing? So it's, it's, it's both. It's both. So. It's both. Yeah. It's both, definitely. Yeah. Especially because we're called to live in a community. Yeah. So I can love my wife and give her more quality love. Yeah. But in my immediate community, is that commitment just to my wife? Or would I love the other people in that community? Yes. So you can see how it addresses the quality 
and definitely also the quantity in serving. Okay, if, if I got up and say, well, I need three people to help me move a table. Many of you may want to help serve me because I said it. But if someone else in the congregation had the same need, we will be as willing and as desirable to want to give that kind of help ourselves. So, yeah, I can see where it's, it's, it talks to both the quality and the quantity. Yeah, okay. So you're still able to ask your questions. So please, I urge you to step up to the mic um, after we take another online question. As a college student, <laughs> why does it often feel that living for God is so much easier when I'm at home compared to at college? Wow. At college, the things that I hold to be true and things that I know to be wrong often end up being That's blurred. Having, often end up having blurred lines when it's presented in a way that seems so normal and routine. It's hard to then speak my truth on what I think because no one else blinks an eye at things I believe to be wrong. Amen. <laughs> I yeah. went to college decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but this, is, this is really, really a, um, a very good question yeah. where the rubber really meets the road, you know. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, college students and all of that, but please just indulge us. I think I'm enjoying this. Uh, just give us some more minutes, you know. We'll, we don't, don't be rushing to... Uh, quickly to go out, but we just want to deal with all these things as much as we can. All right, so as a college student, right, I think some of the things, some of the reasons that um, uh, college, in college you find it so difficult sometimes is just that uh, for many of, you know, the young kids that are going to college and all of that, they are grossly inadequately prepared for that kind of life. That's one thing. All right? And so when you get there, it just takes one professor to dismantle everything that you have learned <laughs> from, you know, from when you were born and all of that. And it's just because, you know, um, I think from church and at home, we need to do a better job of preparing, you know, people to go to college. That's one. That number two that I want to say, you know, after having said that, number two is that also I think that... Uh, as college students, we're not too young to develop our values and be very proud of our values, that this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, irrespective of who else is around me or what, other, what any other person is concerned about, all right, or what any other person believes in and all of that. We need to be able to build these values, develop our values and say, these are the things I stand for and be strong in them. That's number two. Number three. Number three is that for college students, I want to tell you that you are not there as a crusader, all right? You are there to go and live your life. Live your life as you believe it. Live your life as God has, believe, uh, as God has called you. Be assured in who you are and the person that you are and all of that. And in as much as these things are really tough, college is still the place where a lot of people still find Christ. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to take your mind off that. I know a lot of people, even here in the U.S., where it is in college that they actually do find Christ with all the things that are going on. So I don't want you to be, you know, to be uh, narrow uh, focused 
in all of that. If you can, you know, if you can develop your values very well, you have your own, you know, uh, the kind of, you know, iron sharpen iron kind of friendships and all of that. You believe in yourself and who God wants you to be, and you know who God has called you to be or what God has called you to be, right? You can always stand the pressure of time. There's no need to have the FOMO, fear of missing out. You're not missing out of anything Absolutely when you not. believe in God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So because of time, um, we'll try to take quickly maybe about three more online. And if you have questions in-house, um, we want to definitely get to that. So please, I encourage you all to step up and um, ask your questions. So go ahead. Okay. Um, in regards to serving more, I often think of serving others as the main way to do this. However, what is the true benefit of serving others while on earth? Is there a benefit or is it simply a good characteristic to have as a Christian? <laughs> of course there's a benefit. Anything God asks us to do comes with a benefit forward. I mean, yes, there's a, there's a benefit, but, uh, you know, but I cannot sit down here and tell you exactly what the benefit will be for serving Pastor Larry or serving Pastor, uh, Dr. Onofia, you know, uh, uh, but yeah, when you sow in serving, yeah. you reap back service of some kind. Okay, I cannot give you uh, uh, a, what, what you want to call that. I cannot give you a formula yes. as to what that reward will be. Okay. But you can just be rest assured that whatever God is asking you and I to be involved in has some kingdom benefit. <laughs> To the kingdom of God, and then of course at some point to yourself as well. Okay. So yeah, that, that's the way I will leave that. Unless Pastor Larry has anything on that. Anyway, and and from what you know, you have taught us about grace and all of that, and uh, this thing, we understand that God has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. He has given us, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We are already blessed. Yeah. We are or, we already have all that we need in life and all of that. All right. So when God is calling us, it is out of the abundance of the goodness that he has given us that he wants us to share and to, and to you know, and to uh, be the same. And sometimes I just want to ask you one question, whoever asks this question, is what is wrong with just being good? Amen. <laughs> being good in itself is the benefit by itself. <laughs> That's good. That's very good, man. Go ahead. Um, I just had a question going back to um, how loving from a distance can sometimes be an excuse for unforgiveness. Yeah. And my question is just that, like, let's say the person that you're loving from a distance isn't necessarily um, trying to change your values about your salvation, or those things, but at the same time, they're just not a good friend or not there when you need them to be there or continuously wrongs you. How do I love that person the way Jesus wants me to love them? And at the same time, is it my job to win them over if they continuously do things wrong against me? Okay. You want to Yeah, I, I think we may be misunderstanding loving people with being with people. Yeah. So if, if I love someone, and as you rightly des uh, described, they're constantly irritating me, constantly are vexing me and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you, you are available to show love. You are available to bless them and serve them. 
but there's it's, but but no one is saying you have to go to the movies with them you have to go to a picnic with them you know you you understand that you are there you love them you're praying for them and you are looking for opportunities to be a blessing to them but it does not mean you kumbaya with them all of their time that's that's my understanding of that Amen. There, are, there are people that i love and i continue to love them uh, if the opportunity arises, I speak with them, I respond to them, I mean, very cordially, you know, but they may not be in my inner circle. Yeah. And you just need to understand that. Yeah. So you are not going to go out of your of, out of way to be mean-spirited. Yeah. Absolutely not. That is not Christ-like at all. Amen. At all. You know, but you don't have to be body-body-bodies uh, and doing everything together with them. I mean, until something changes. Yeah, I'd, for, just to add to that again, and it, it's just that sometimes we don't define our relationships right or our relationships have no definition because uh, we think that you know everybody is you know everybody has to do and you know we have this concept about love that just like Pastor Bank said that we have to be with everybody and all of that and that is not the case all right I have friends that I only discuss certain things with mm -hmm. yes. right there are some friends that if I want to hear the truth those are the people I, I go to some other friends will not tell me that, so I don't have a reason to tell them everything about myself and expose myself to them. There are some other friends that I have that, you know, uh, if I need comfort, those are the kind of guys I go to, all right? And then there are some people, there are some people I knew because my children were in school with them, and uh, they were, you know, they had maybe the same class, the same games and all of that, and we're, you know, we're closer, and, and right now we're not anymore because the, the reason for us coming together is not there anymore. All right, but it still does not mean I don't, you know, it still does not mean I hate them because we're not close or we're not uh, distant. I have another friend, you know, this one should be close to me. You know, we're really, we're re supposed to be really, really close. And we talk everything out, right? But sometimes we don't speak for three months. But immediately, immediately we meet again and talk. It's like three months had not elapsed. So, but I'm not going to be, you know, running around and say, oh, you know, I, yeah, I, you know, I've not spoken to him in three months. I've not just said, no, that, all those things are just vexation. Yeah. So, I don't know if I answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, um, when Jesus said we should love our enemies, he said when she, she should love our enemies, and he gave us a way to love our enemies, right? You see, when you could see your enemy's uh, sheep fall into a pit, yeah. right? Lift it up. Yeah. He didn't say we should go and party with, with them. Yeah. Uh, there's something if they need help, he says help and yeah. help them. So that is the example of loving from the distance, I mean, if you might call yeah. that. Yeah. So help them if they have a need, and then you have the resources to meet that need, meet it. But not to go party with them. So we are, um, running the time where, go ahead, you can come up, but um, we can probably only take one more question, um, and we'll wrap it up. But go ahead. All right, so um, my question is, how do we, I guess, love more and serve more and when we're not like, quote-unquote, Christian spaces, I guess, like, it's almost, at times, I see there's like, a dichotomy between my myself as a Christian, you know, teen, and a lot of this um, spaces and places I find myself in. It's like, like in secular settings, it's just like I always feel like, you know, 
it's um, kind of like out of place, like serving more, loving more in the way I know that I, I feel like God would want me to. It's like, I, I try not to be affected by peer pressure, but I almost feel like people would like look at me, you know, kind of crazy. Like there's, there's one girl at my school, um, she tries to, um, she tries to love more, so I even see her, even like she hands out pamphlets to people preaching the word of God. And like when people like look at her in the hallways, they look at her like she's speaking Greek, like she's not like. So, you know, and that's, you know, seeing that is like, you know, to her, I mean, it doesn't discourage her, but me, that, that seems pretty discouraging. So it's like in secular setting and stuff like that, I don't want to be like the odd one out who's, you know, going above and beyond trying too hard to love more. Like, how do I know, like, I guess, how to like read the atmosphere where I'm in. I don't want to, you know, seem like that kid who's trying too hard to, you know, like be the perfect Christian or something like that. Like I want to love more and serve more properly. That has an impact, not like it's going in people's ear and coming out, going in one ear and coming out the other, you know. You want to take that? I'll invite that. Okay, so, 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 uh, I, thanks Joshua for that question, especially that happens in schools all, all the time. My advice would be not to do what she does handing up pamphlets, that doesn't really change people's lives, although the seed is sown and in time, it may have some result in it. But like you rightly described, people look at her and think that you know, she's speaking Greek. The better, Jesus has a better way. And the better way is what he described to us in the, uh, in the study of the Good Samaritan. Someone is in need right next to you. How do you respond to that? Maybe they lost their father, they lost their brother, something has happened in your household that you became aware of. You love more and serve more by reaching out to them and say, ah, I'm so sorry this happened to you. How can I be of help? How can I pray for your need? You know, so, so there are many other ways in which you can reach out to people and you don't have to do it in a quantity of standing in the hallway and giving a track to every student that goes by. No, Jesus has not called you to all the students. He's called you to a student for that day. So be aware and alert in your classroom. Have a presence of mind based on what the teacher is saying, what, how you read the room. Who in this room right now needs Jesus? How can I express Jesus in a, in a particular way to someone in this classroom? That's all you ask to do. And when you do that on a day-to-day -day -day basis, you'll be amazed the opportunities that God will give you based on something that someone says in that class that you know, wow, okay, this person needs prayer. You pray for them and then you approach them. You know, and it's, it, it's on that one-on-one -on -one that the great things happen. Amen. Most of the things Jesus did happen in those examples. Amen. Nathaniel, here's a man, he says, in whom there's no God. One-to-one. One, one one. Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. One-on-one. Right. -on -one. So don't miss that, those one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Yeah. Open your ears for them and zero in on them like a laser focus. You'll be surprised. Thank you. And, and by the way, I like your Harvard jacket. <laughs> Amen. So I do see we have a couple more questions, and we're we'll definitely trying to accommodate. So, Auntie, you can go. Go ahead. Praise God. Amen. I just want to use this opportunity to thank Pastor, Pastor Larry, Pastor Ban for really teaching us this very practical lifestyle. You know, it's, it's um, kind of like easy to say, you have grace to do this, you show more grace, you uh, do more grace, but talking about really doing more, and um, the one that Pastor Larry preached the other about doing what is not necessarily urgent, but important. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do what is 
not urgent what is important you set a framework you know that we that you can build up so that you don't run onto those uh, 911 emergency <laughs> situations, yes. you know, where you have to do something that is both important and urgent, and you might not do it right. So looking at this doing more, one of the scriptures that God has really used to build me up and touch my life is in Acts 17, 28. He said, for in him we live, mm -hmm. we move, and we have a very being. Mm -hmm. That is... Everything about us is Christ. So it shouldn't really be so difficult to love more. If our very existence, the very breath that we take, the very life that we live, we are to use it to represent Christ. So we are actually supposed to just see things from Christ's perspective. Amen. Because there's always God's perspective. Amen. There's your perspective. And then there's that other person's perspective. Yes. You don't know that person's perspective, and that person don't know your perspective. It is God that see, that see everything, that has his perspective. And he has given us the scripture, has given us many examples, and uh, many of these messages that come forth about how we should do more. But I think we should just try and focus more on Christ, and focus on the fact that we live, we move, and we have our very existence. Amen. You know, if our breath stops today, our existence has ended. There's, there's nothing more you can do. But while we have that very existence in God, we should do as Christ wants us to do. I know that at the end of the day, like it says in um, uh, uh, Second Peter uh, 2, 9, that we are a chosen generation. And he has called us out of darkness to show forth his, marvel his marvelous light. So we should be asking ourselves, what light are we showing? Is it just about ourselves? Or is for us to truly represent Christ? Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. you for that comment, Auntie. Uh, Thank you for this series. Uh, I just learned from what you're talking, love more, give more, and serve more. Um, in one of my devotions yesterday, we focus on the wrong thing sometimes, and the Bible can help us, and the understanding of his word. Um, all of us are just working in progress, and if we take the time and listen to what the Bible is telling us, we can all learn from it. I read the version where they also asked Jesus, how can he inherit the kingdom of God? And he said to him, did you do this, this, this? And he said, I've been doing it from my youth. Mm -hmm. And this passage said, Jesus loved him. Because he loved him, he pointed him to something that he needs to correct. Hmm. He said, go and sell all your properties and follow me. And the Bible told us that because the guy cherished that wealth, just like what we are talking about, self, 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 self. Yeah. The Bible said he went sad. So what was it that Jesus was doing? He loved him, but he knows his heart. And he knows that what he needs to deal with is to point him to Christ. So all of us, we are very judgmental. We are not perfect. But we look for perfection in everybody that we contact. Hmm. In our relationship, 
You're not that good. You're not warm. But you see other people, you judge them. We are not perfect, but we should not condemn ourselves. Uh, grace reality has helped me for the past few years. From day, it was like the world that says, Jesus taught the whole multitude. And then he called his own to give them the key. <laughs> you can't get the key just by coming to Sunday and say, Lord. Wow. It has to be a lifestyle. Amen. Amen. All these things that we're talking about, if you don't put it into a relationship God. with God and yourself, you are not going to go anywhere. Amen. So I want to encourage each one of us. Some of the questions that we are asking, it looks like we've gone through this many times in teachings, in Wednesday services. In everything, it's all we need to do is to apply and surrender ourselves. Yeah. And we can be a blessing to others. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because if you don't start from home, you can't go any other way and do it at your job. Amen. In the community, among the things, you don't have to show is a mask. Live on the mask and live the life of Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Amen. So we'll wrap up with this question. Okay. I'll just bring, it's A and B, but I'll bring them together. We are living in a country that is very polarized and hmm. on many social issues right now. <laughs> Regarding serving more, where does the pastoral leadership of Walkman stand on social justice issues affecting the African-American community in this country? <laughs> and what can Walkman, as the body of Christ, do to become more involved in the many social justice issues that are negatively impacting the black community today. Thank you for the question. First of all, whoever asked that question, I want to ask if they've been living in Mars. <laughs> no, seriously. Because we took almost two months to address the, the issue of race and reconciliation in the United States. So my first answer to you is, please go back and listen to the messages. Because I cannot in two minutes give you an answer that we are just in two months. That's not fair. So please, really, really, no, honestly. And then secondly, as Pastor Shina rightly said, and let me use a phrase that is biblically correct, but we all understand. Charity begins at home. For you that is asking a question about how or what work fans should do, I want to ask you a question first. Jesus did that. Many times Jesus did that. He will listen, he will listen to the people and ask them a question. My question to you is, where are you on the issue of race and the constitution in the United States? In what ways have you intentionally gone out of your comfort zone to accommodate those of the other races. Because if you ask us as a church, what do we think? You are the church. Amen. Each one of us is the church. So the issue is we cannot have a corporate policy if us as individuals have not bought into what Jesus came to do. Where he said to us very clearly, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, born nor free. Male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. So it begins with us. Us. 
my uh, my idea or my ability or my accommodation or accommodating those that are not like me, I need to pass that test first. Yes, sir. We cannot legislate from the pulpit, work fund is going to do X, Y, Z. When you have not legislated within yourself, then you're going to be as accommodating. Yes, so let me push that back on you. First, go and listen to all the tapes. <laughs> we address them very fully. And secondly, be intentional in how you accommodate those that are not like you. Amen. We get that right, we go on our way. Amen. Amen. So on that note, we're going to wrap up Kingdom Conversation today. Um, in case you are thinking about where to serve more, uh, we do have several ministries that are looking for volunteers. If you've been told you have a beautiful smile, the greatest department needs people, Amen. ushers, Amen. children's church. Amen. Um, there's so many places, so please try to get plugged in somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I do want to thank um, our leaders in the house for taking time to speak to the word, answer our questions. Um, we appreciate you and we do not take it for granted. So, um, yeah, we're going to usher you back to your seats now. Thank before, you so much. Be, before <laughs> we go. Put up your hands. Amen. <laughs> and um, at this point, we'll welcome Revelation Walker for the announcements. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Gifts, the gift that keeps giving.